Scunthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on a third. He's got it! 984, a world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal! A perfect score. 10.0 for Dante Tabanese. A perfect score. The first time I've never seen this so in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record, 9.68. The wind is okay. How easy was that? Welcome back to Off the Podium and Olympics podcast as we continue our vault interview series. As we go back through interviews from Olympians, basically, throughout our parent shows, The Brinks, history. And a uh, big one today, big, big, a lot of fun. 2011 was a year that we spoke to Emma Lincoln-Smith, who is an Australian skeleton racer, competed in Vancouver in 2010. And as you've probably learnt a lot from listening to this show, I, for one, am a big fan of Winter Olympics. And I love the sports that are crazy, and skeleton, to me, is one crazy sport. So we tracked her down, we got her on the show, we spoke to her about her career, and uh, it's a it's a fun-ranging chat. And uh, interesting. Interestingly enough, Emma holds uh, a record uh, along with her sister, Holly. Uh, They are the only, uh, sorry, the first siblings who have ever competed for Australia in both the Summer and Winter Olympics. Her uh, Emma, uh, sorry, Holly is a water polo player and actually won a bronze medal with the Australian women's water polo team in the 2012 Olympics. Bit of a statistic for you there. But anyway, Emma Lincoln-Smith. Australian skeleton racer. Here's our chat we had with her, well, the Brink had with her, from 2011. Emma Lincoln-Smith is an Australian Olympic skeleton racer whose career started after receiving a letter in the mail from the Australian Institute of Sport. A former track and field competitor and keen surfer, Emma soon went on to become one of Australia's leading skeleton racers, finishing 5th in the 2009 World Championships and 10th in last year's Vancouver Winter Games. Two weeks ago, Emma finished 12th in the 2011 World Championships and I spoke to her about this, as well as her career in one of the fastest sports on the planet. Emma, thank you very much for your time here on The Brink and on Edge Radio. No worries. Good to have you. Good to have me here. Now, uh, Emma, your skeleton career began after receiving a letter in the mail from the Australian Institute of Sport. Now, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what happened there? Well, basically, I was sort of uh, just in a bit of a crossroads in my track and field career. I was sort of stuck and not really getting better. And just at the right time, I got this letter in the mail and it just said, basically, in a nutshell, that the Australian Institute of Sport is putting a program together um, to try and find skeleton athletes. And um, as I was reading the letter, I just sort of became more and more fascinated by this sport and it just sounded like an opportunity that I could not um, miss and fortunately I took it and made the cut and have sort of not looked back ever since. Do you know much about the sport before you went into it? No, I didn't really know anything. So basically everyone was pretty much in the same boat. We all were just blind really. We had no idea what we were doing and we all sort of made very big learning adjustments along the way and a lot of crashes and <laughs> banged up people, but we got there eventually, so yeah, what, it's all good. What, what did the training program actually involve? I mean, it sort of sounds like something you can't just get into lightly, strapping yourself and going forwards on a sled at that yeah. amount of speed. Well, it's it's really difficult to train because we don't have a track here in Australia, 
so basically we only get to slide for five months of the year and um, during that time it's very intense we just take as many runs as possible and you know and, and while we're here in Australia we just try and get fast basically fast and strong so on the track and in the gym and do a lot of visualization just sort of to remember the tracks because every track's different and you have to know the curve basically off by heart otherwise you get completely lost in the track and and that's when it thing, you know things will get dangerous so yeah, there's not a whole lot you can do, unfortunately. Is that frustrating? I mean, given you were saying before, coming from, say, a track and field background, you can obviously just go out to a running track and do laps, given that you can't yeah. really go out to a track, as you said, we don't have one in Australia. I mean, that must get extremely frustrating. It is. It's frustrating, and it, it just means that you don't get to do it for so long. And, it, you know, I, and I love it, and I miss it a lot while I'm back in Australia. And then while you're away, it's the same thing. You kind of sometimes just need a bit of a break from it and you can't have it so it's it's a real all or nothing sport you're either doing it and you're doing a hundred percent or you're not doing it at all you know obviously there's a little bit more to the sport than just laying down forwards and going down a track yeah. the the start is obviously the key factor to it but besides obviously training to get as fast a start as possible what other training regiments do you need to take part in you need to do a lot of neck strength work um because during the curves you experience a lot of g-force and that in fact, presses your neck uh, or your head on the ice. So you can't actually see in some spots. But uh, if you have a strong neck, you can try and fight against that pressure and you can see your way through the curve rather than just, um, you know, not being able to see at all. Um, other things is just uh, a lot of core work because you have to be strong in your core to be able to control the sled down the track and a lot of flexibility because sometimes you do find yourself in a position where, you know, it's not... Uh, really good for the body and legs are thrown and arms are thrown everywhere so if you're flexible and you can adapt to that then it means injuries are not as uh, prominent. And the adrenaline factor though at the end of it must be absolutely outstanding. The speeds that you yeah. guys collect going down that track, it just must be an, an insane feeling. It is. It's it's sort of a feeling I can't I can't describe what it's like because there's nothing else like it in the world. It just it feels like you're flying and um, it, it is an amazing feeling and I yeah, I miss it a lot when I don't get to do it, but, um, you know, yeah, it's the way it is. So just over 12 months ago, too, you were competing in Vancouver at the Olympics. Now, was this always your goal to try and make an Olympic Games? It was. Ever since I was a little girl, it was to be an Olympian. I didn't expect it to be in a sport like skeleton. Um, I was looking more at track and field, but, yeah, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to do it, and to compete at the Olympics, was it really was a dream come true. It was exceeded my expectations and uh it was it was just a rush like it was so amazing and to be on a track like Vancouver where it is so exciting to watch and to have my family and friends there was pretty awesome but as you were saying obviously the fact that you can you're in the Olympics it doesn't matter it, sh- it shouldn't matter to anyone really what sport whether it's skeleton track or field I mean I, I to be honest with you Emma I would be happy if I was a freaking curler and uh, <laughs> nothing to say against the sport of curling, of course, but I mean, you know, just just to wear that green and gold, walk out there and represent yeah. your country in Olympics, it would just be unreal. It really is. It's it's amazing. You can't to be part of something that big. Uh, it is. It's awesome. And to finish in tenth place too in your first Olympic Games, I mean, that too must have been a result in itself. Yeah, I mean, I was I was disappointed to be honest in the result. I would have. I mean, you don't go into an Olympics sort of with anything on your mind but to win a medal Mm -hmm. and if you don't have that then I don't think you know I'm not sure why you'd really go but for me that was the goal and you know I was really close after the first day of competition I was only three tenths off a medal and in sixth place and 
just slipped back a bit, but I think experience had a lot to do with that. And hopefully, um, you know, in Sochi, with more experience, I'll, I'll be able to pick one up. Well, the sport definitely has come a long way then in Australia. I mean, from getting a letter in a letterbox to get people into a program yeah. to sort of going in that way. And uh, your best result is a fifth place at the 2009 World Championships. So do you think yeah. it's only just sort of around the corner, quite literally, I suppose, in the sport of skeleton, that you're away from a medal? It is. I mean, I... Yeah, it's very, very close, and I can feel that, and that's one of the frustrating things is that I am so close, and I just need to keep my cool because, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, force it, and it'll come eventually. I just have to be patient and, and know that it will come and trust in my skills that they will improve, and the team around me will, you know, work the hardest to get me there, and I, as I know they are, and, yes, yeah, it'll come. i just got to be patient, which is hard. I'm not the most patient person in the world <laughs> especially in a sport like skeleton where everything's so fast you know it's yeah. just want to have it there now done. Who so knows, you, you, win, you win a gold medal in Sochi, you can uh, with all the endorsement deals and I'm sure we'll be flying at your doorstep, yeah. you can build the first ever skeleton track in your backyard. Uh, I will and I'm sure many people will be using it. it I mean that's the thing, like if, if we could do something like that it, and people would just fall in love with it so yeah. It just—it is expensive. That's the only problem. I could—I can understand that, but you, you look at the fact that it would obviously draw in the tourists who want to have a go. But I mean, you then have the yeah. bobsledders, the luges, that'd be all lining up to to have exactly, a crack at yeah. it. And then we could, you know, ten years time, people look at Australia. We're the dominant force in in those sort of sports. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's—you've know, got to start somewhere, and yeah, start small and build your way up. Even if New Zealand could build a track, it would be <laughs> quite helpful. But well, you never know. About, yeah. They try yeah. and beat us in everything else. They could beat us to that. Who would just have to wait? They to won't see. beat us. <laughs> <laughs> Never. We wouldn't let them. Now, is, no. it, is it frustrating being involved in a sport that really doesn't get that much attention? I mean, for example, you just finished in the World Championships over there in Germany just over a week ago, and um, mm -hmm. I mean, I saw no coverage of it whatsoever. I, I had to search long and hard to find any form of coverage at all. Yeah. And I mean, it, it just must get incredibly frustrating. It is frustrating. I think it's just a winter sport thing. I mean. I think all winter sports experience the same feelings. We had three world champions in snowboarding, and I doubt there was much coverage of it back here. I mean, I'm not sure because I wasn't here, but, yeah, it is. I mean, it is. And people, even now, I still have to explain to most people what skeleton is. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because I think if it was broadcast on TV or even just had snippets of it, people would watch it. it it's a really interesting sport to watch. And, yeah, it's just it's a shame that we don't have a broader view of the sports that are going on around us and the Australians are competing in around the world. Well, that's the thing with all sort of winter sports. It just seems to be every four yeah. years when the Winter Olympics roll around, everyone's fascinated. But, I mean, yeah. I, I personally love the Winter Olympics ten times more than the Summer Olympics because the sports are just <laughs> so unique and they're yeah. just fantastic to watch. I mean, you have ice hockey, you have speed skating. Mm -hmm. I mean, curling is, yeah. in itself is a fascinating sport to watch if yeah. you sit down and watch it. It's, it's incredible. It is. It's very diverse and there's you know, there's something for everyone there, and it, it is a shame because I think people would would really watch watch it, or, you know, on a regular basis. And what people don't understand is that yeah, the Olympics, Winter Olympics, comes around every four years, but they're every single year competing on World Cup and World Championships, and it's yeah, we're we're not just competing every four years, which I think a lot of people seem to think that we do do. So mm. yeah, it's, it's a shame. Primetime skeleton racing, I think, could become a thing, Emma. You could you could have it replace <laughs> Master Chef, and it would take off. Master, I think 
that's an idea in the making. I just need to crash, and then I think people would watch it more. Yeah. People like that stuff. So <laughs> it's it's extreme and... skeleton racing. Yeah. <laughs> I could arrange that to be done. So. Oh, look, we should look into it. We cre- we create a reality show. Anything that's a reality show seems to work. You could have, you know, instead yeah. of Australia's Next Top Model, Australia's Next Top Skeleton Racer, hosted by Emma Lincoln-Smith. <laughs> and um, before you know it, uh, a skeleton is the number one sport, spectator-wise, participation-wise, in the country. It'd definitely be a different type of uh, show. I'd watch it if, if you know, if it was on TV. You, I could just we'll see, see. It, it would it would take off. It would just be amazing. It would. It it really would. It, it, absolutely. We'll talk. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk off <laughs> air. We'll come up with some contracts, and then before you know it, you know we're the millionaire brains behind it. All right. I like I like that. <laughs> I like the idea. <laughs> now, with with the sport such as skeleton, is it something that sort of relies? This is saying about the attention factor, obviously, but obviously you must rely heavily on sponsors, private companies to sort of fund your way through there, or is it sort of all based on the Australian Institute of Sport and government funding? Yeah, we're pretty much all uh, Olympic Winter Institute funding and. AIS, so we're looked after that way, but we don't really have major sponsors. I mean, the OWI Olympic Winter Institute has carbon, so they supply our clothes. Um, but besides that, we're pretty much, yeah, all government-funded. So, I mean, like you said, we just don't get the exposure to get that um, big sort of corporate sponsorship, unfortunately. Does it take a gold medal for that to happen? Pretty much you need to, to win a medal or to get that sort of funding, because yeah, I mean, without that sort of exposure, the metal exposure, you just we just don't get the other exposure that you need to get that sort of um, funding. And that obviously makes it a double-edged mm. sword because I suppose in a way you need the funding to try and get that success, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess we're we're pretty lucky the skeleton program because we do get the funding, whereas there's other sports or winter sports out there that don't get any any funding, and they're all self sort of funding their own way. So, I mean, we are a bit more fortunate, but yeah, it is it is a hard road being a winter sport in Australia, especially when you haven't got the medals yet. Um, yet, yeah, being the opposite word, Emma. Yeah. It will come, yeah. come Sochi. You, it will you come. Have it. You will have it. Oh, it has to come. <laughs> it has to. Now, for all the, uh, the eager little children listening to this program right now who want to get involved in the sport of skeleton, firstly, what would you suggest they do and how can they get involved in the sport? First thing I would say is to not tell your mum at this stage <laughs> <laughs> because mums don't like their little kids doing skeleton. That's a fact. Uh, second is to go out there on your bodyboard and get into the waves and uh, practice, you know, going along the waves and getting that feel for what it's doing and just run around, get fast <laughs> and do your ne- neck strength work. You sort of hang around track and field areas and look for fast sprinters and follow them to the beach and see uh, yep. how they are on a bodyboard. Does that mean that you yep. spend lots of time at the beach, A, for practice, and B, obviously, to uh, soak in some hot weather since you're probably around snow most of the year? It does. In fact, I'm actually in the North Narrabeen Cup, just in my uh, bikini. I just got out of the stadium. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I do. I, um, I think... Um, one of the reasons why I adapted to surfing so, oh, to skeleton so well is because of my surfing, because it's the same sort of um, body awareness and feel that you have to have for both sports. So um, I can lie now and say I'm actually training. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. 
all no, these people at the yeah. beach who are having a relaxation time and you can yeah. just say, I'm training, I'm training for the Olympics. I'm working hard here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emma Lincoln-Smith, thank you very much for your time here on The Brink. Much appreciated. Good luck with your skeleton <laughs> career and uh, we look forward to seeing you. Uh, hopefully with a gold medal. We'll make it a gold medal around yeah. your neck. We'll Russia. make it a gold medal. Oh, of course. You've got you to aim high. Do, you do. <laughs> no thank point in doing it if you're not going to aim high. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Good luck with the rest of your career, Emma. Thanks for your time here on The Brink. Thank you very much. A lot of fun chatting to Emma and Skeleton. Again, such a great sport and uh, one that uh, I will definitely be watching when it comes to uh, Pyeongchang in 2018. More of these interviews, plenty more to come. And as always, subscribe on iTunes. You can uh, rate us on there, leave us feedback, everything else in between. Like us on Facebook. You can do that there as well. And we always appreciate your support as the program continues to move forward and get a little bit closer to the next Olympics in 2018. But there's still lots to talk about in between now and then. Off the podium, we're done and dusted for another episode. Thanks for your company. I'm Ben, and we're out of here. Thank you very much, and see you next time.